We are now down to just two weeks of the regular season left. But when you really look at the calendar and you really look at the discussions we're having, Mitch, the playoffs have already started for a lot of teams in our area. We saw it last Friday. We're going to continue to see it. So you know what that means? We got to be we got to be giving our best performances here on the pod. Are you ready to bring bring it all here? Give our best effort. I've got my hydration multiplier here. Uh, we are in playoff weather now, Greg, seemingly. Yeah, and yeah. So, yes, we are in the final three weeks, one week of those down, I suppose. So, yeah, we are now into the nitty-gritty of the season. Really looking forward to how this is going to shake out. Well, we're getting into the nitty-gritty, and no cramping up in your podcast chair there, Mitch. We're ready to go. Let's get oh. into it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, Tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by the man, the Mitch, the legend, Mitch Stormer. Yeah, I think I used that one last year too, but it's a good one. It's it's good to bust out once a year. So, Mitch, you're here. You're ready to roll. Yeah, if you saw my fantasy team week uh, this week, Greg, you would know legendary stuff on the field. I have uh, DJ Moore and Jamar Chase at this very moment. Uh, just those two guys are outscoring my opponent for the week. So, really, a really good, uh, really good week for the fantasy team. Well, and can we talk a little bit about DJ Moore and the Bears, Mitch? They are undefeated on Thursday nights. Undefeated. Yeah, see? My how we've come a long way since last week we recorded, right? Maybe not. Maybe we haven't come that far. But either way, DJ Moore looked really good. That was fun. For a brief little, you know, three-hour window, it was fun to watch the Bears. We'll see where it goes from here. But the Panthers are still losing, which is always good for Bears fans. So, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll pivot into the high school football. That's what we're here to talk about. But, Mitch, before we dive into it, you know who we got to thank. Let's give them their shout out. Yeah, tonight's episode is brought to you by our friends at Breed Love Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services as the big nationwide companies, but with a faster turnaround and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com or shoot Cal Breedlove an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information. Sounds good. Well, here we go, Mitch. We're looking back at week seven that was, and we're looking ahead at week eight. If you want to get all the details, and when, when I say all the details on week seven, I mean it this time. Go back, listen to the Instant Reacts podcast. Mitch, you realize that we were like in excess of two hours. Was it Was it two hours or more last week? It sure was. I did notice that, Greg, at two in the morning. So, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when, you get, when you get the Taylors and you get Brian Stocking in a room together, there's going to be a lot of history, uh, you know, just a lot of good football talk. So yeah, that was a lot of fun, a lot of great conversation, a lot of good reminiscing, and uh, we appreciate their coverage all year, every year. I was going to say, it's called the Instant Reacts Podcast, and we certainly reacted to a lot in that show, but we also took some side tangents and really talked big picture high school football, which is great. Jim Taylor, Ty Taylor from WRMJ joined us, along with Brian Stocking. It was a ton of fun. 
So I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode and you can get all the information you need for week seven. We'll talk a lot about week eight here. If you want to support the podcast, you know you can head over to PayPal, paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. That's the easiest way you can support local high school football. You can support View from the West. Again, head to PayPal, search View from the West, or paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. All right, Mitch, here we go. Week seven that was, and the game that really stood out was Quincy and Sterling. And for the second straight week, it's Sterling giving a great effort. They beat Geneseo a week ago. This week, they fall just short to Quincy. You were watching this one. Talk about the effort from Sterling. Quincy prevails. They're a great program. But I think we took a lot away from Sterling in this one, too. Yeah, and it looked... Early on, it didn't seem that way. Quincy jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead in the first quarter, moving the ball as they have against all the opponents that they've played this year. But uh, a coach John Schlemmer team never goes away. This Sterling team really came back in the second quarter. I think there was 35 points scored uh, between two teams. 27 or 28 of those were by Sterling. And it, it was just the way that, that they were hanging in there. You know, they, they scored. Um, they got uh, a quick interception. I don't. I don't remember actually the order of how this went, but they they got an interception and scored. They had a fumble, or they recovered a fumble on a kickoff return. They scored after that. And then Quincy would score, so it was back and forth in the second quarter. But Sterling really had the upper hand in that second quarter. I believe it was thirty-five to twenty-seven at the break. After all that scoring, defenses shined in the third quarter. No, no offense really got the ball moving all that all that well. Sterling comes back. They get a score. They're in the fourth to get it within 35-33. They try for the two. It gets knocked down. The Quincy defense that we've been talking up all season kind of had the, the final say in this one, the batting down the two-point two conversion. So in the end, Quincy was able to get the ball back. They, they drove down, got a first down. And uh, they were able to knee, knee this one away. But, yeah, it, it was a tremendous effort from Sterling. A Sterling team that, that played really well, as you mentioned last week. A team that now is sitting at three and four on the year. Certainly not out of it. Don't think they're out of it at all. We'll get into that in a second. But in, in the end, Quincy remains undefeated on the season, remains unbeaten in the Western Big Six. And now with two weeks left, I believe they have a share I want to say because they play uh, Seymour in week nine. So they've only got one more conference game against Geneseo. It's a big game. And again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But Quincy does at least get a share of the Western Big Six title this year. Yeah. And like you said, Quincy remains undefeated. They're 7-0 and for the first time since 1935. That great stat per Matt Shuckman. And actually, happy birthday to Matt Shuckman. It's Shuck's birthday, birthday today. Yeah, right. well, today as we record, it's it's his birthday. So it's his birthday week, his birthday month. We'll just continue it's to celebrate. Cel- yeah, it's a celebration whenever you hear this. Yeah. Whenever you hear it, exactly, that's exactly right. And Mitch, there was some real star power at this Quincy Sterling game. Dan oh, Pearson yeah. and Edgy Tim, both in the house Oof. watching that Oof. game. So it's all, good, it's all a good one for sure. That's that's absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I mean, leading into this game, I, I, did, I certainly don't want to diminish a 7-0 Quincy team. I think I was just really impressed with, like you said, the fight that Sterling showed 
to battle back and to keep this game close all the way to the end. I definitely think there's a path for them to get to the playoffs. And maybe two weeks ago, that looked a little, you know, a little murky. That wasn't, you know, it wasn't as, you know, clear to see it as maybe you could see it now. They got to get the job done, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, I just, I was impressed with their effort. But on the Quincy side, they just continue to get the job done. Yeah, and, and they, well, I'll get into their stats in a minute, just to, to rewind a little bit on Sterling. I think, you know, we knew coming into this year that they were going to have a little bit of a quarterback influx trying to figure out who was really going to take the helm there. And with Drew Nettleton in this game and moving forward, I think they've really found something. He had four TD passes, Greg. That sets a Sterling school record. So whenever you talk school records with Sterling football, it's, it's pretty good. 235 yards on the night in, in a great effort. Again, on, on the short end of it, on the losing side of it, but a great effort and good momentum for them moving forward. On the other side for Quincy, Brayden Little, 251 yards, three touchdowns. He added one on the ground. Tycho Hammers was was a big target. He had six catches. Three of them went for scores, 109 yards. And uh, Jareus Rice, 184 yards on the ground. Also had four catches for 97 yards. So you're looking right at 300 total yards there for Jareus. Uh, again, as closely as Sterling played them there this game and certainly in the second quarter, it's it's all those Quincy weapons that really, really pushes them ahead in this one. Yeah, you know it's funny when you read the stat line for Braden Little, two fifty one, three touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown. For what went wrong? <laughs> what went wrong? For a lot of yeah, for a lot of guys, it's like that's a that's an all time game for them, and for him, it's like. All right, that's pretty well, good. Like, well, what, what, yeah, what did he have the last two weeks? He had seven, or he had six touchdowns, then he had seven. Yeah. So, listen, Braden, I know you listen. We got to step up these stats here. <laughs> Six, 16 touchdowns in the last three weeks. We got to pump those numbers up. All right. I'm, I'm putting you I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I'm going to put you on the spot then. What did Mitch Storm or QB1, what's the best game stats you ever had? I can I can say for certain I don't think I threw for 16 touchdowns in my career, and you'll you will hate this because my best game not not even statistically but oh I already know best, I already know yeah my best game was my junior year against Ottawa Marquette yeah at Marquette we, right at Marquette week one we came away with the win it was muggy as, as any game I can remember that night and you got to walk up that big hill to the locker room and all yeah that. yeah you're so, right down so by the can, river so it was probably yeah right yep. I, I can say for certainty that I did not throw for, like I said, little did 16, I think, by my count. Or no, yeah, 16. I did not throw that many in my career ever. <laughs> all right. I, 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 I am in no position to talk about this <laughs> at all. All right. Let's move into the rivalry game between United Township and Moline. UT gets the 42-28 win over that school down the road. Did you catch that Ooh, on the on I, WQAD? I, yes, I did. No, on the score, on WQAD, Nick Welch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. He was on the interviews, on the set live, and he only referred to the Maroons as the, the school down the road. So a little bit of gamesmanship in the rivalry sure. there. It's the Panthers coming away with the upset win. Like I said, 42-28. It, that's a great win for a program that, you know, has really, like like any program this time of year with the record they have, you know, they're hungry for a win. They're looking for any positive mm-hmm. momentum. And, you know, texting back and forth with uh, Coach Welch, he felt like this was, you know, finally a game where they put everything together. Like they really put everything on full display, played a complete game, and you could really see it play out. This is a great effort from the Panthers. 
I think I think you saw this building for for a couple of weeks. You know, they they weren't getting the wins, but they were playing well. We we've liked obviously what we've seen from Matthew Kelly the past couple of years. We've liked what we've seen from Corey Randall the past couple of years, and so you, you knew that this was coming. They, they 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 played really well in that win earlier this year, and so for for this in a, in a rivalry game towards the end of the year. This was a great performance by the Panthers, no, no doubt about it. I, I know that uh, – I, I didn't see the final stats on this one, but Matthew Kelly had 134 yards rushing in the first half, so he was really put on display um, with, with his dual threat ability. Uh, you know, this, this went down into the fourth. Moline was driving. They were in a position to score. The Panther defense comes up with the goal line stuff, and with – Shortly after that, Corey Randall, who else from 52 yards out, really put this one over the top. So, you know, Moline fought all to the end, but UT came up big uh, when it mattered most. So great win for the Panthers. You know, you say that, you know, we felt like this was building, but really in all reality, last week, they kind of had a clunker against Rock Island. You know, we thought that that would be a game where maybe we thought this would happen, where they'd play their best, you know, they'd play a complete game and really show all of their skills on display and it, it didn't happen. You know, it was, it was for, for yeah. the United Township and for a lot of us, I think that was kind of a surprise that they didn't win that one against Rock Island. So going into this one, honestly, like I didn't think much of it. I, I didn't, I, I mean, I thought that a few weeks ago, I thought that this game, you know, I said, I thought Moline had a, or United Township had a potential playoff path. You know, I said, it'd be hard, but I thought mm-hmm. they might be able to get there and they lose to Rock Island. So then coming into this one, I didn't think much of it. And then here they go. You know, they, they bounce right back. And so, so good for them. Good for head coach Nick Welch. But Mitch, the great story from this game, Grayson Anderson, senior yep. captain for United Township, scored his first touchdown in his high school career. Now, the reason this is significant, because of all that he's been through, let's go through the backstory here. He suffered a torn ACL as a sophomore. Missed his entire football season as a sophomore. Last year, in the first game of the season against LaSalle, Peru, he suffered another torn ACL, was out all of last year as well. He's back this season. To see him get a touchdown reception is amazing. I saw the highlight um, on the you know on Friday night. He catches the pass and immediately drops to his hands and knees. You can clearly see the emotion in the moment. Congratulations to him. Congratulations, Grayson. What a moment. You know, talking to head coach Nick Welch, he said he's a captain for the second year in a row on this team because he's one of the best players, leaders, and teammates that he's ever coached. So high praise coming from Coach Welch. What a moment, Mitch. This is really cool to see. Yeah, we, we love we love stories like this. We, we hate it when, you know, we, we see guys lose lose a season, right? And and Grayson missed two. So to come back, it's one thing to even have the mental toughness to say, you know what, I'm not done. I'm coming back. I, I you know, injuries be damned. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back on this field and play. And and so this was this was great. This was a really cool moment. You 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 know captured the the essence of the play great. It, it drops drops down after the touchdown and it's heartwarming all around. So yeah, congratulations to Grayson and congratulations again to UT um, on the win, a big win, big night for them at the Soul Bowl. Yeah. After, you know, this remarkable story, capping it off with his first touchdown, this is definitely worthy of the Matthewson's Mini Helmets Player of the Week.
for week yep. number seven. Congratulations, Grayson Anderson from the United Township Panthers. He earns the mini helmet. He's got a mini helmet coming his way for all that he's been through and to get back on the field and have this moment. So you can find Matthewson's mini helmets on Facebook and on Twitter. Search them out. They do great work if you're looking for customized mini helmets, decals for your school. Like I said, find them on Facebook and Twitter. And one more time, congratulations, Grayson, and congratulations to the United Township Panthers. They get the win there against rival Moline. I'll call him Moline, even though Nick Welch won't do it. Right. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A few more scores here. Geneseo gets the huge non-conference win over Mendota, 63-6. to Jaron Neal ran the opening kickback, 79 yards for a touchdown. A.J. Weller, four first-half touchdowns. 43rd overall playoff appearance is now secured for the Green Machine. So the Green Machine is rolling out there in Geneseo. Yeah, ringing that ringing that bell out there for sure. This was it was it was tight early. It was uh, I think Geneseo scored. I want to say that and I could have this wrong now. That I'm thinking about it. Geneseo they might have missed the extra points. I thought it was tied. Mendota scored right after that, so it was six. Again, I want to say it was 6-6. Six, six. It might have been 7-6 six at worst, but Mendota scored right away, and it was like, okay, Geneseo coming off a loss. What's their mentality like? But having A.J. Weller back in that offense, they were they had that train rolling right away after that with 56-57 with unanswered following that, that Mendota score. So, yeah, 43 overall appearances for the Green Machine. We've loved what they've been doing all year and looking forward to having A.J. Weller back on the field after missing the second half last, last uh, week against Sterling. And really looking forward to the prospects of Geneseo here moving forward. Big game coming up this week. I was going to say, they're sitting at 6-1, and 3-1 and one in conference play. We'll get to that game in a second. One more game from the Western Big Six. Galesburg gets the win 24-7 over Rock Island. We got some information from QC Sportsnet. Of course, you can listen online every week to QC Sportsnet. They'll give you the Moline action. They'll give you United Township and Rock Island. They got you covered for the Western Big Six. Their write-up talks about Amari Richardson with three touchdowns, three running touchdowns. And then, Mitch, talk about Rock Island and the uh, special teams issues here. You called this yeah. out on the Instant React, so we got the, some info here. Yeah, so Galesburg started six drives in, in Rocky territory, and I'm almost certain that some of this it had to do with the following. The Rocks were in punt formation five times and didn't punt. They had two punts that were blocked. They had two others that were never kicked. I can only assume it was a bad snap or something. Yep. And then one that they actually did try to fake, but it did not go anywhere. So, uh, yeah, some blunders from, from the Rock special teams, maybe some good play from the Galesburg special teams there. So. I don't think you see that sort of <laughs> uh, outcome on punts very often, certainly not all in one game. So, you know, Galesburg takes advantage of of starting in, in plus territory and they get the win. Yeah, Galesburg looks good in this one. And, you know, this is a team that we've talked about. They have, you know, athletes on the field. They maybe just don't have quite enough, you know, to, you know, quite enough talent to go around to compete week in and week out. But Rock Island looked good a week ago and got the win over United Township. And now here we go. It's, you know, they kind of, you know, fizzle against this Galesburg team. And congrats to Galesburg. They get their first conference win of the season. They're now sitting at two and five. 
So, all right, Mitch, updated standings. We know Quincy's up top, undefeated, 7-0 and 5-0. You have Geneseo at 3-1 in conference play. They're 6-1 overall. You have Sterling at 3-1 in conference play. They're 3-4 overall. So they have a lot here riding on the line the next two weeks. We just talked about, you know, some of the teams in our area are already in playoff mode. And Sterling is definitely one of those teams. Moline, also one of those teams. They're one and three in conference play, but they're sitting there at three and four overall. So they need two more wins to get in. But here's the thing. There's, you know, matchups that only one of those can get in. So, yeah. And I I think I credit the stocking on this. I think he called this out on one of the instant reacts that he, he thought it was going to come down to week nine. And that is exactly what it's going to look like. I think, I think both teams talking about Sterling and Moline are going to be four and four heading into week nine. That game is at Sterling and could very well mean that one team gets into the playoffs and the other goes home. Now, certainly we've seen some funky stuff in the playoffs before with four and five teams getting in. I don't know at this second what the playoff for those classes looks like. Um, but to think that either one would get in at four and five is usually not, it usually, usually does not happen. So what more could you, you want on the line? I certainly last year they played for the conference title. I guess that, that could be one thing, but this is about surviving and getting on to the next week. So getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there, but I do think that week nine will be a pivotal game for both of those teams. Maybe one of them um, over the other. Yep. Let's go through the matchups here in week eight, Galesburg at Moline, Geneseo at Quincy, and then Rock Island taking on Sterling. So both teams got to take care of business this week, referencing Sterling against Rock Island and Moline against Galesburg. United Township gets a win this week. They'll have a forfeit victory. So, you know, that's the the big matchup, though, Geneseo at Quincy. Geneseo takes the long road trip. They stumbled against Sterling, and they're going to face another good defense in Quincy. Can they, you know, can they figure out what didn't go so well against Sterling and right the ship on this uh, on this road trip? That's the question. But man, Quincy seems to be playing as well as any team we've talked about over the last few years. I mean, they just haven't flinched. Yeah, that, that Geneseo defense is really, really good, right? I, they have allowed the least amount of points in the Western Big Six, but they have not played Quincy. So. They will definitely be the hardest test the Maple Leaf defense has seen this year. Um, and that goes, it goes with Quincy, too. The, the Geneseo defense is really good. So this, this will be a battle, I, I think. Can, can that Maple Leaf defense, again, you know, they haven't allowed uh, 21 points, more than 21 points this year. They've allowed it twice they, against Moline and UT. Other than that, you're talking a shutout, three points, seven points, three points, six points. Really, really good defense. But looking at what Quincy has done, 55-40, 41, 34, 63, 56, 35. So this is this is two really good good teams. And on, on you flip the ball too. Quincy's got a good defense. Geneseo's got a really good offense. So this is this is what you want in a game that is going to determine whether Quincy wins the Western Big Six outright or whether they will share this title. So Really, really looking forward to it. I can tell you right now, this will be where my attention is on, on Friday night. Really looking forward to this game. Yeah, yep. A lot to be determined in two weeks of play in the Western Big Six. And man, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Well, we saw plenty of drama in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Sure on did. 
on Friday night, last Friday. We talked all about it on the Instant Reacts because Jim Taylor was live on the call for Rockridge and Morrison. Ty Taylor was live on the call for Sherrard and Orion. I, man, I, I mean, I, I called them in, you know, in the Instant Reacts before those games played out because I just thought, like, there's a lot riding on the line for both those games. I want to just get them in and talk to them in general. But it yeah. could not have worked out any better. These right. two games were fantastic. Go back. Yeah. I encourage everyone, if you haven't already, listen to those podcasts, that podcast. It's really cool to get their perspective being there. I was also in attendance for one of these games, the Rockridge-Morrison game. Maybe the best game I've seen this year, or maybe the best games I've seen in a few years. It was great. Rockridge and Morrison, for as much as we've talked about the offensive explosiveness, you know, we've talked about both teams' defenses as well. The defense was on full display for a majority of this game. Two really good football teams all the way around, going toe-to-toe. Excellent, excellent football. Morrison was real. I mean, Rockridge was in control. It was a 0-0 game, but Rockridge really was, you know, getting more done offensively, and they, they weren't able to punch it in. They got one touchdown called back in the third quarter due to penalty, and then they fumbled in the red zone to give it back to Morrison. So they had a chance. On the flip side, Morrison, the stats were staggering. They were really struggling to get yeah. first downs. I mean, I think Jim Taylor said three on the night, maybe. Yeah, something like that. And I yeah. I don't know that they eclipsed 100 yards rushing, maybe, just barely. But, yeah, it you know, and look, privately, non-biased aside, I was, I was worried that the cold and wet that it was on Friday would slow Morrison down. I've seen it happen. It happened to the teams that I played on. When we lost to Dakota in the playoffs, it played right into Dakota's strength that our speed was kind of neutralized a little bit by the playing conditions. Certainly Rockridge had to play in it too. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that weather had a big influence on the game, but it does slow fast teams down. So I, I was curious how this would look. And from talking to some people who were at the game, it was evident right away that Rock Ridge is a very big team. They have some really good size on that defense. And they absolutely shut down Morrison's attempts to run up the middle. And again, because, because it's wet, because it's cold, because it's soggy, getting to the outside, you're not as at an advantage as Morrison has been accustomed to all season. So, you know, we, we know that Rockridge had a good defense. We know that Morrison's had a good offense. And, you know, if you played this game 10 times, each team might win five, right? Um, but yeah, it's all the credit in the world to, to Rockridge. It sounds like I'm probably making excuses. I don't mean it that way because Rockridge played a really good game. The way that they came back, because it looked like Morrison when they scored first, they're in the fourth. Okay, that was it. That's the only score this game's going to have. Rockridge said not so fast, and then they had to do it again. But we, let's, let's get into how this shook out, Greg. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it was a great football game through the first three quarters. I mean, two great defenses going toe-to-toe. But in the fourth quarter is where it really got fun. Chase Newman went up and grabbed, I mean, he was a, he was a, you got Moss, you know, ESPN yeah. highlight a week ago for his catch against Sherrard. In this one, he goes up, makes an over the head, one handed, I mean, almost like Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. I mean, if you see that kind of catch, right. I mean, goes over his head, snags a ball one handed for the interception. Rockridge immediately turns around, 
throws to Anderson deep downfield, gets him to about midfield, very next play. I mean, it's a huge catch. That's a great catch for Brady for Chase Newman right after the interception. And then was, it's what, go ahead. was it Newman that caught that? I believe so. I think Newman had the interception was, and then Newman had the catch. See, he was he was behind some of the defenders, but there was four rocket defenders that jumped for that ball. And so he didn't lost them. I don't want to say that he caught it like in the midst of four defenders because he was still behind them. Yeah. But to have that concentration, it, it was a great play. Yeah, no, I, I ended, that was one of the highlights I put in for a WQAD. And it was, you know, he kind of, he grabs a great catch and he almost had to like corral it, had to like catch it twice and get it yeah. back in because there was so much traffic around him when he grabbed it. But um, what a play that immediately sets up next play. Brady Anderson does what we've seen Brady Anderson do repeatedly yeah. last year and this year. Finds a seam, gets around the edge and he's gone 44 yards for a touchdown with about nine minutes left to play. Rock Ridge would get the ball back with a little under three to play. Alex Zarlatanis scores with two minutes left. The place is going crazy. I mean, it's the, the, the energy right at that moment, it's 7-6. Rock Ridge is attempting the extra point. The extra point is blocked, and the energy in that place goes up even more because you have mm -hmm. Rock Ridge fans who are going crazy. Then it flips on a dime, and Morrison fans are going crazy because they hold the 7-6 lead. Rockets get the ball back on the their own 20 they drive 80 yards downfield Schweigen yep. finds Landon Wheatley as a leaping diving for the pylon type of touchdown man yep. my only regret is that he did it on the opposite pylon not the one on my near side yep. but you know that's just me hey, getting look, look hey we had some friends on the sidelines on the on that correct side so we got some good video they, from, from that yeah, yeah exactly you, as as a, as a photog as you are yeah that's your worst nightmare <laughs> yeah I was luckily I had it. There wasn't like referee yes. running in my in my yes. vision or anything. So yeah, you still you still had it. Yep. Yep. But just a huge turnaround, and you know that's a that's a gut check type of moment for any team for any program yeah. when you're on the road against a team that's state ranked, undefeated. You know, With for no as much out. let's be honest, for as much as we've talked up Morrison, and yep. they have that lead and they block your extra point, like just the way it's set and, up, and you have no timeouts. It, that's yeah, and you have no that's timeouts. How, that's how they got the ball back. I mean, they they used their timeouts, but yeah, that eighty yard drive. And so for for Cullen Schweigen, a freshman, to remain cool, calm, collected, and yep. keep marching them downfield, and Zal Zarlatanis also stepped up, found some holes. Nothing huge, no huge breakaways, but just continued to march them down the field. Yeah, they had that that first play, first or second play, where they took to the air. I don't know if it was. Wheatley who caught it, but they had a big pass play that got them over the 50. And yeah. that's when you saw some more chunk runs by Zarlatanis. Schweigen might have kept a couple, yeah. but they they were able to get into position from pass, and they kind of just looked like they worked the clock closer and closer and closer, and then finally got that score with 12 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. Like that. The, the connection, we've talked about it going back to week one, the connection between Schweigen and Landon Wheatley it's yeah. it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Like they're they're on the same page. You could you could just see it. I mean, he's he's finding him open, and Wheatley's coming up with some grabs. Like it's it's a lot of fun to watch those two. Do we do we know what grade Wheatley is? I don't know if he's a junior. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Something to look forward to moving forward. Yeah, we know Schweig will be back. Yes. Um, for um Rockridge, they you know then had to hold the lead. There was still 18 seconds left on the clock. 
the Morrison last attempt intercepted on the sideline by Trevor Dye. He tiptoes the sideline, comes up with the catch with uh, five seconds left. So that would end it. If you want to see everything we're talking about, I encourage you to go to View from the West on YouTube. I was able to put together all of my highlights of that final drive, and I was able to edit it together with the audio from Jim Taylor from WRMJ Radio. It's just, it's so fun. Like, I had it in my head, like, this would be really cool if I could piece this all together. And it worked out even better than I could have imagined. It's great. Jim, Jim Taylor on the call with Glenn Cook. You hear their emotion, their excitement coupled with the video, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's great. We need, to, we need to have Jim Taylor sing uh, our Christmas song so we can put that to our highlights so we don't get copyright, you know, uh, <laughs> notes again. I, I mean, I don't we know. Have Jim Taylor singing is the most wonderful time of the year, so we don't have to worry about getting yelled at by legal. I, am, I, I mean, but Twitter, you know, the X is under new ownership now, so maybe we can get away with stuff. I don't know. That's true. We'll see. We'll see. Or maybe we'll after. really be locked down. Maybe we'd really get in more trouble. Oh, yeah. Now. That's the, that's the, yeah. Because we don't have the blue no. check mark. We're not that cool. No. No. Well, I don't know if Jim Taylor sings. We can certainly look into that. So. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what a game. What a win for Rock Ridge. And Mitch, I'm editing, you know, out in the Morrison parking lot. You know, I'm sure an area you're very familiar with. The, the walk yep. back and forth from the locker room there. And, uh, you know, as I'm getting done editing, I see Rockridge fans and players out there in the parking lot. And uh, I think it was Schweigen and maybe Landon Wheatley was in there, Connor Deem and a few others. Mitch, they were very quick to remind me of who we need to talk about as the uh, best team in the Three Rivers on this side of the division now. So, okay, look, <laughs> we stopped right there because... At the beginning of the year, I predicted Rock Ridge to either go eight and one or undefeated. So miss me with that, Rock Ridge. All right. <laughs> you, you beat you beat my team. I talked up Morrison, deservedly so, but don't forget that I predicted that you would win the division. So don't even start. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you weren't even wear, I was even gonna wear my Rock Ridge shirt and I forgot. I mean, I would never say that I like, you know, blamed you when they were calling these things out, but you know. You're not there to defend yourself. So well, again, hello, check the receipts. I said you'd win the division. So no, don't even start. Don't even start. No, it, it was a lot of fun. They're, they were having fun yeah. with it. It was great. So congratulations to them. And on, I'm on gonna, the now, now I'm going to need you to find that audio and specifically tweet it out. All right. I said that. All right. All right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like you pointed out, Mitch, that the podcast comes with receipts automatically. That's right. We, wrong, we wrong, right, or indifferent. It's there somewhere. That's In this true. case, I am right. There you go. Okay. Yes. Fair. That is very fair. So, and on the, on the flip side, real quick, before we wrap this one up, you know, Morrison tough loss, but against a very good Rockridge team, you know, we were impressed with Rockridge's defense from the very beginning of the season, especially in the run game. I really feel like they can control teams on the ground. And so Rockridge did that, but for this Morrison team, there's a lot of good football left for them. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Kyle Kantmeyer at NUIC Football had tweeted, you know, if Morrison can't run in the little rain, what are they going to do in the playoffs? And my, my response to him was, well, they don't have to play this Rockridge defense because this Rockridge defense is really good, too. So, yeah, you, you know, uh, yeah, this some adversity is, isn't going to hurt Morrison. I think they'll go eight and one into that one a playoff. They'll have a good standing. Um, and, and yeah, I, again, the course playoff games are going to be kind of the same conditions, but. Rock Ridge is a really good football team. They'll run into good football teams in the playoffs too, but 
yeah, there, there's a lot of season, I think, left for Morrison. So nothing to be discouraged about. This was a great game, classic game, and, and unfortunately someone had to lose. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving down the way here to the other game covered by WRMJ and the Taylors, yeah. who are, again, on the Instant Reacts podcast. Go out and listen to that. Sherrard gets the wild 27-26 win over Orion. We'll jump into it. But before we do, Mitch, can you ever remember, I mean, in, in our time doing this podcast or just in general watching high school football, a team lose like Orion has in two weeks in a row? Man, it's they've, they've had a tough stretch here, you know, losing uh, last week to Erie Prophetstown on the very last play and, and on the ensuing uh, two-point conversion. And then in this one with just a couple seconds to go, you know, it's – it's a team that battles and all the way to the end. And unfortunately they just haven't been in that win column these past couple of weeks, but you know, the fight is there and that's, that's what you're looking for. And, you know, unfortunately for them with this with the fifth loss now, you know, your playoff outlook is pretty bleak, but you know, this team is young. They're, they're going through the fights now. It's hard to see how that'll impact you moving forward, but I, I think that'll just strengthen this charger team. So, you know, it's look at look look at Sherrard. They they they've been through it, and they come out here on the outside, winning the game late. So you know, iron strengthens iron here for for Orion. So you know, keep your heads up. You're, you're playing well, and uh, I think in the end, again, a young team that will always get experiences from these games, and it'll help them moving forward. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, or Sherrard found themselves in the same spot as Orion sitting at two and four, needing yep. to win out. And they get this first one in dramatic fashion here. I mean, it was a matchup between two and four teams. But when you're talking rivalry and you're talking what's on the line, this is playoff atmosphere type stuff. That that plays, yeah. from what I heard on Ty Taylor's call on WRMJ yeah. and from what I saw in pictures, man, this atmosphere was electric. It's what It's a playoff type game. Yeah, I, I was able to catch this game. I was able to catch the ending of this one on NFHS. Um, didn't have the audio. Didn't have Ty's audio on there. But, yeah, you could hear the crowd noise, and it was it was on fire. Yeah. Well, for good reason, it was on fire. Holland Anderson to Cyrus Hoke from 23 yards out to score with five seconds left. That capped off a 98-yard drive in a minute and 36 seconds. Mm -hmm. So – remarkable turn of, you know, turn of events there for Sherrard and talk about, you know, Ty got into it on the instant reacts. Talk about a bizarre way to end, you know, to cap it all off. The extra point is redone because of an offsides on Orion. So that's a right. pre-step penalty. So they have to re-kick, even though Sherrard made the kick, they have to re-kick it because of an Orion penalty. The second one is a botch snap which no offender rolled out, tries to throw it into the end zone. I think, I think that was the first one. Oh. That, that was the first try. Okay. No offender took the ball. I, now, see, now I'm second-guessing myself. <laughs> I, th I thought that's how this worked because I tweeted it as it happened, which may a culpa on my part to, to no offender. I said it was the holder that did this, but it was him. Rolled around, threw the ball, and it almost gets caught. It was a crazy play. Yeah. And then they said he was offside. The play shouldn't have continued on because it was it's a pre-snap penalty. Okay. And then it just continued to get kind of weird from there. Well, so yeah. So then the, the I thought one was a pre-snap penalty. One was that 
horse it was collar. The same, if, unless I'm remembering wrong, I think it was the same thing. Okay. I don't yeah. know. Either way, they had because, to then, be, be, they had because, to kick it again. Yeah, because when he threw it, it was incomplete, and yet they still got to kick again. So I think that's why that was. Again, I sure so our they, fans correct us if we're wrong. <laughs> that's how I remember it. A lot was going on on Friday night. It's hard well, to keep it all straight. But. I tell you what, you can go back for the correct version of the story. Go back and listen. Ty Taylor posted the entire final drive of Sherrard on WRMJ.com. Um, I listened to it while I was mowing grass yesterday. It was great. And now I'm, yeah. you know, I was so uh, clearly so dialed into my grass mowing that I don't exactly right. remember how it all happened. But um, right. either way, they missed one attempt and went back and had to kick it again. And they did get it through the second time to grab the one point victory. Sherrard time of possession, 32 minutes to Orion 16. So, mm. you know, pretty big disparity there. Anderson had 294 yards. This Sherrard program, you know, we talked about them and Orion both needing to win out. The path is there for Sherrard to do it. We'll get more into the matchups in a minute here, but the path is there. Yep, I think so too. Yep. All right. Well, one positive note for Orion over the weekend, I saw that former Orion standout Logan Lee, this was a Don Doxy tweet, former uh, sports editor at the QC Times, thought that Logan Lee looked like an NFL-quality defensive tackle for the Iowa Hawkeyes over the weekend. Ten tackles, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. So, great kid, great athlete, Logan Lee, getting the job done for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So, the defense looks good for Iowa. I don't, you know, want to get into the rest of it because it's just... Can he he play offense? Well, he did. Yeah, he used to be a really good tight end, so... Yeah, see, there we go. (laughs) All right. Few more scores here from the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Kiwani bounces back, gets the win over Monmouth Roseville, 42-21. That gives the Boilermakers their sixth win, so they are playoff bound. Princeton gets the win over nearby rival Bureau Valley. Last time they'll play for a while in the Rumble and Roar uh, matchup there. Bureau Valley fumbled on the very first play. Tigers scored two plays later. And really kind of jumped on it from there. You, you said it. It was, it was early and often for Princeton. And, and, you know, this is only the third time these two teams have met. They're, they're only 16 miles apart. Now, now certainly, you know, that there are, there are conference affiliations. There's been switches. There's been divisions, things like that. But still, you know, there's been enough, I think, either open weeks or whatever it might be. Uh, I would have thought it, it, it surprised me. I don't want to. I don't know the inner workings of how it took so long to get this matchup. I just, to me, it just seems crazy that they, it had been so long that these two had played, but in all three games, Princeton's really had the upper hand. They've outscored BV 135 to 16 in this three game series. Uh, Kevin Hieronymus with the Bureau County Republican had a great write up on the history of this game. Uh, I, I believe we, re, we retweeted it, um, but you, you could find that. Cause it was, it was a really good insight into the, into the series. And unfortunate that, not gonna say it's over, right? We we thought that with with Morrison and Fulton prior. Now that's coming back. So never say never with the way things are shifting around. But for Princeton, uh, another great win as they kind of hold their own fate there in the track Mississippi side. Uh, so we already referenced uh, Mendota fell to Geneseo sixty three to six. Erie Prophetstown gets another win. They win over Riverdale forty six to seven. They led twenty six to nothing after the first quarter. Never looked back in this one. Jeremiah Kochevar had three rushing touchdowns. 
So he continues to play well for the Panthers. On Saturday, Newman got the win 28-7 over Hall. Newman took a 7-0 lead four minutes into the game with a 7-play, 74-yard drive. That really set the tone for them. But Mitch, again... If the it's the defense that leads the way, you yeah. know, for them, offense can set the tone, and that's great. I think it helps them a lot. But the defense, let's talk about this Newman defense again. Yeah. So in this one, uh, Carter Root had two interceptions, and so that led me to, to text Coach Lemay this morning and, and said, "Hey, how many are you guys up to this season?" And he said, "Well, we had five total turnovers during this game, and now I got to look it up." But I think he said it was uh, it was twenty three that that. Yeah, that um, sounds right. Yeah, so we'll say 23. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's pretty much evident of a Newman team, right? A, a seven-play, 74-yard drive and a really good defense. That's Newman to a T. Um, you know, for, further talking to, to Coach LeMay, you know, as they, they continue this really good stretch of, of good football, big game coming up this week, but they're, they're headed to the playoffs once again. They're still looking for some consistency on that offense. But what what is getting them by, I think, is, is that defense giving them the opportunity, right? The defense is going to keep them in game. So while they are going through some growing pains on offense, trying to see what works, that defense is always going to be to have their back because it is really, really good unit. Yeah, well, that's what I thought was so important to mention that, you know, when they drive down and score right away on their opening drive, and, you know, the article in Friday Night Drive, Reference, which shout out to Friday Night Drive, great coverage from around yep. the state. Seuss is all over it, but you know, on the yep. local level in the Sauk Valley area, um, the write up talked about that opening drive really setting the tone. So th- if the offense can set the tone and give this team some points, I think that goes a long way to really giving that defense just the utmost confidence to know that hey, if we get a few points on the board, we're not going to give up you know, much here. We're going to, we're going to keep ourselves in any game. So it just, it becomes huge when you score early. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking back here, trying to see Newman's defense. I mean, you know, they've they've had a couple games that they allowed 20. One was against Princeton. The other one was in a win against Rock Island. Yep. And that's the most, that's the most most they've allowed. Yep. Yep. Other than that, it's, it's seven against a really good Rock Ridge team. 10 against the Sherrard offense, that's pretty good. And then seven against Erie, that's been playing better. 14 against Bureau Valley. So, and then seven here against Hall. So a really, a really good unit. It's going to serve them well heading into the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mitch, we always talk about, you know, the Newman defense, but the story of this game, story of this game was special teams. How about Anna Jungerman? She's a cheerleader turned kicker. She went four for four on extra points in her first game. So yes, you heard me right. Cheerleader turned kicker. After the Rocky game, she started attending practices. They've been working with the cheerleading team, which she had been on at the start of the season to see how and if she could do both. And according to Coach LeMay, yep, both teams or, you know, both programs agreed that, yeah, let's make this work. The cheerleading team and the, and the football team. So she has moved from cheering on the sidelines She's suiting up with pads and a helmet for the Comets. Yep. The best part of the story is she's kicking the extra points now, kicking the field goals for them. She still performed at halftime with the cheer team with pads under her cheerleading uniform. I love this story. I don't think I've ever heard this. You've seen, you've seen football players in the band at halftime, 
or for the national anthem, but I don't think I've ever seen a cheerleader go out yeah. and then be on the team. Yeah. So for, former soccer player um, and, you know, coach the just I, I think him and his coaching staff just came to the conclusion that they needed a kicker and, and the kids knew where to find one. So, you know, this is, this is a really cool story for Newman and, uh, and for Anna. So yeah, congrats, congrats to her on, uh, on those kicks. Maybe we'll see a field goal here in the next couple of weeks, one in the playoffs. So this is a, a story to monitor for sure. Yeah, that would be great. I think it's funny. We saw a tweet um, after the game at some point about, you know, how she went four for four. And then a week ago she was kicking in the powder puff game and now she's kicking yeah. in a real game. So it's just really funny. Really great. Yep. Love it. Yep. All right. Well, let's, let's go through the standings here and see what the matchups are for week eight. Princeton still sitting up at top of the Mississippi side of things at six and one overall three and O in conference play. Kiwani's three and one in conference play. They're six and one overall. You have Bureau Valley at two and three in conference play. They are three and four overall. And then you have Newman who's one and one in conference play. Interestingly enough. So they still have two conference games left to be played. They're two and one now, right? Are you looking on IHSA? Oh yeah. So I guess they have, Yeah, it's not, it's not updated from Saturday, two and one now. Oh, see, I should have trusted your notes, Mitch, and not the IHSA. Yeah, so. see? All right. Well, I will trust your notes for the Rock side of things. Rockridge Rockets get the huge win. They're 5-0 and on their side of the conference. They're 6-1 and overall. Morrison, 4-1 and in conference play, 6-1 and overall. Monmouth-Roseville fighting for a playoff spot. They're 3-4, and 2-2 and in conference play. Sherrard, which we talked about, also still fighting for a playoff spot. They're three and four overall, two and two on their side of the conference. You also have Erie Prophetstown at two and five overall, Orion at two and five overall, and Riverdale's 0 for 0 and 5 and 0 and 7 on the season. Well, Mitch, let's get into the matchups on both sides here. You got Kiwani taking on Newman, Bureau Valley going up against Aurora Central Catholic, Mendota at Princeton, Hall at Rock Ridge. On the other side of things, Erie Prophetstown going up against Sherrard, Monmouth-Roseville at Orion, and Morrison at Riverdale. So we talked about Monmouth-Roseville and Sherrard. You know, they're in playoff mode already for sure. Yep. Can Sherrard continue to get the job done against an Erie Prophetstown team that's won two in a row? And then right. you look at Monmouth-Roseville, they go on the road to Orion. Now, technically, you know, I guess not technically is not the right word, but you feel like Orion's probably eliminated. It's very unlikely that a four and five team is going to get in at the one A or two A level. For Monmouth Roseville, you know you can't you can't overlook them though because they've obviously been very competitive in two games and fallen yeah. just short. If things go a little differently, it's Orion that's still fighting for that playoff spot. Yeah, you know Monmouth Roseville certainly needs to win here. They've lost three in a row to really good teams: Morrison Rock, Ridge, and Kiwani. Um, but I, I want to see a Titan team that, that played the first four weeks, right? They, they put up 21, they put up 42, they put up 55. That offense was really shining in the early part of the season. So, yeah, this is a this is a big game for Monmouth-Roseville because, it, and again, it, it could come down, like we're talking about in the Western Big Six, it could come down to the Week 9 matchup between Monmouth-Roseville and Sherrard to see who gets in. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. I kind of forgot that, uh, you know, they're on a collision course to play each yep. other. So if they can both get the job done this week, you know, I think 
looking at that Sherrard matchup against Gary Prophetstown, you know, again, Sherrard comes in with a lot of hype because of the win they just yep. got. But this Erie Prophetstown team seems to be playing maybe some of their best football right now. Can they put it all together and, you know, win a huge game for, you know, for them and for playoff implications here if they can knock off Sherrard? Yeah, two in a row for the Panthers. Offenses looked really good. Uh, Jeremiah Kochevar has that offense really, really playing well. So this is, yeah, as as much as we've talked up Sherrard and the way that they've been playing and now they're picking up some wins, this is a this is a good Erie Prophetstown team coming uh, I should, should say hosting Sherrard. So that makes the road for Sherrard even harder having to go on the road here. I believe that game is in Erie, I think. I think that's what Ty said. I think they're playing uh, games in Erie this year. Yep. Because I think, did he say that WRMJ is going to that one? I believe so. Yep. Okay. Ty will probably yep. be on the call for that. Yep. So get windy there. So Sherrard passing attack might be limited a little bit if the weather's, if the weather's right. So, yeah, this is, a, this is a pretty pretty interesting game this week, I think. Looking on, you know, the other side, Kiwani and Newman. Yep. You know, Kiwani's been playing really well. Newman's been playing really well. This will be a good contest. And, you know, Rockridge coming off of a big win, emotional win. Hall's, Hall's a good team. They, they can put it together. They've got some weapons that can, that can beat you. So can they, can they maintain their focus here? Can they keep their head on straight off of, big win at home that helps certainly I expect them to but I, I I've seen what Hall can do in, in games like this this so should be a good week yeah yeah that Kiwani Newman matchup intrigues me you know I think it's a big test on both sides you know two teams that are you know playoff bound but it's a good test for Newman I think to face a school that's a little bigger that has some offensive firepower see how their defense really stacks up against this, you know, good Kiwani offense. And then on the flip side, I think it's a challenge for Kiwani. They're going to be tested against this Newman defense. So, you yeah. know, can they, you know, can they move the ball? I think I, that's, that's the, you know, interest in that one that, you know, really catches my eye. So we'll see yeah. how it all shakes out here. Well, Mitch, let's uh, take a quick break to thank some sponsors and we'll jump right into the Lincoln land conference. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for tackle twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. Let's get into the Lincoln Land Conference. We'll start with Mercer County. They get the win 36-8 to over Illini West on Friday night. Mercer County scored on a 4th and 23 to open the game. So talk about setting the tone and, you know, jumping all over Illini West early. It's a game that Mercer County desperately needed. They get the victory here at home at George Pratt Memorial. So good win for them. Yeah, the score had a good uh, highlight of that. Colby Cox, uh, 
marched marched the Golden Eagles down the field on that play. So, yeah, we, you know, Merco's been a hard team to kind of figure out this year. So with with that opening loss to United, but, you know, they they played really well here getting the win. Um, And and really, that's that's two in a row. They they beat uh, Elmwood Brimfield team that is now maybe a little bit better than they've been playing. Um, with with winnable games, their last two weeks. So as as mentioned, as <laughs> as hard it's been to kind of figure out Mercer County this year, they're still knocking on the door of the playoffs. I think they can get there. Yeah, you know what I thought was really interesting. You talked about Mercer County being kind of a tough team to figure out. Um, Coach Matlick's interview on WRMJ on Sportsline on Saturday morning. You know, he mentioned that he really felt comfortable play calling in this one. And that it played out that way. You know, they get 36 points on the board. They get the win. And obviously, they've had some success, you know, in a few games this year. But he felt like he was finally in a groove for the entire game, play calling. You know, first-year head coach, you know, first time calling plays. So I think there is a learning curve there. And, you know, his players are trying to figure out his system that they've installed. And, you know, he's trying to kind of figure out what buttons, what buttons to push and when. So... You know, that's, I think, a, a big step in the right direction. If, if Matt looks feeling comfortable, more comfortable each and every week, play calling wise, this offense is going to get that much better and they're getting healthy. He talked about finally being, you know, close to fully healthy, which they have not been. So that's also a big step for them. You know, like I said, it's, it's games against McComb and Wes Hancock that are winnable, but it's, it's got to be that Mercer County team that showed up this past Friday, you know, to continue mm-hmm. to get that job done. Speaking of Macomb, Mitch, this score really kind of surprised both of us. They yeah. fall to Elmwood Brimfield 52 to 8. I don't think it's necessarily the surprise that Elmwood Brimfield got the win. I think that's a program that we've been impressed with. They nearly knocked off Farmington a week ago, but to come up and put in 52 points against Macomb, that yeah. did surprise me. Yeah, uh yeah, Elmwood Brimfield coming in. It was their night, right? They they have been playing well, as you mentioned. They almost got the win against a really good farming Farmington team last week. And, and you know, Macomb is has, has kind of hit a little bit of a roadblock here. Certainly, know that there's a lot of outside factors going on in the community, which we we certainly uh, emphasize with and understand. But for for Elmwood Brimfield to come in, get the big win here, really good for that program moving forward. Yep, absolutely. Well, speaking of a, a good win, a good positive win for a program, how about Anwan Weathersfield? They get the win 33-15 over Farmington. Yeah. Mitch, I kind of, I wondered if, you know, this Farmington team was rolling along, but I wondered if there'd be a chance that A&W could, you know, make them stumble in this one because Farmington was going on the road. They were, you know, at, in, at Weathersfield. And yep. sure enough, man, the Titans are, are rolling here. You know, they fell one point short against Stark County in week two. But ever since then, they, they look, you know, every bit the team that we thought they did, they thought they would be at the beginning of the year. So yep. they're now six and one. They knock off the Farmington team that had been previously unbeaten. Zeb Rashid, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Dylan Ori, 153 yards on the ground. He had a touchdown as well, also with 114 yards passing. So great effort all the way around from this Titans team. This is a, this is a marquee win for them on their schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing right off the bat that I love that updates from this game are, are updates mostly every week. 
come from. I think the handle is Geese Updates or Geese Athletics. The okay, yeah. handle. Yep. I just, you know, if if forever anyone who's listening who is not aware that the two schools are, are separate for other sports, uh, the Weathersfield Flying Geese, a tremendous logo. I, I love seeing it. Anna won previously the Braves. That was great too. So yep. Um, and anytime that that account kind of pops up on the timeline, it's just like, ah, it's like a little bit of nostalgia. Hitting, so I love, <laughs> love to see There you it. go. Um, yeah, you know, Aaron was going to, we knew was going to be a, a good player in the LLC standings this year. We, we did think they'd be one of the top two teams. Stark County has kind of come into that, that fold from, uh, I don't want to say from out of nowhere, but from underneath us, right. We weren't really talking them up as much, but a, a great, a great result kind of confirming that the, the Titans are really good here. Zeb Rashid, 112 yards, two touchdowns, Ori 100, 153 uh, on the ground, 114 through the air. So they're getting it done. Their players are, are playing well and uh, a great win overall for Grand Island Lillersville moving. Is it, are they six and one? They are six and one now. Yes. Yep. Yep. So the, the top, the top three teams of that small side, really, really good football teams. All going to be in that 1A, 1A playoff picture. Uh, Mitch, I do want to uh, give a quick shout out to um, Anawan Weathersfield always um, has someone send us stats every Saturday morning or sometime over yep. the weekend. I will say, though, this week, I couldn't quite read exactly how many rushing touch who had all their rushing touchdowns. So I was trying to decipher what I was reading on the you know actual game stat sheet. So if we shortchanged uh, Dylan Ori or somebody who also had a rushing touchdown, I apologize, but I was trying to decipher the 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 writing on there, and it gets you know there's a lot of rushing, and it kind of right. trails off on the end of the page. So, <laughs> so apologies if we missed something, but we're, we're yep. trying here, and I appreciate that they send us some stuff every week. So exactly, yep. So great win for them. They got a couple of big matchups coming up. We'll talk about in a minute here. Knoxville gets the win 47 26 over West Hancock. Blue Bullets remain unbeaten. They still have games against Fulton and Farmington. Two huge matchups. A lot yeah. will be determined in those two games. Nolan McClay, 244 yards and four touchdowns. That brings him up to 1,464 yards on the season, 20 touchdowns total on the season. This kid. He's he's putting his name right up there for the view from the West Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, he'll be he'll be a candidate, no question about that. So another another great game for him. Mitchell Parrish has been good all season too. He had 138 yards and three touchdowns in this one. So like you mentioned, Blue Bullets one undefeated still in big games against Fulton Farmington. I think what we talked about in instant reacts um, was I think next week with Fulton, right? Record record wise. These two teams don't match up the closest, but it's it'll it'll answer the question of who's for real, right? Is our teams in the LLC playing the best competition, and how will they fare against you know a team like Fulton playing in the toughest conference in in one A, or is Fulton much better than their I think three and four record um, states, and can they knock off an unbeaten? So this is this is a really interesting game. Won't won't matter for certainly for any conference standings, but Knoxville and Fulton, we, we looked at it even at the beginning of the year as an interesting game, and it's still going to be a, a really good contest. Yeah, it's definitely a measuring stick, you know, between these two conferences and where teams sit, you know, in the playoff mix and kind of 
you know, how they'll fare potentially yeah. down the road. So does Knoxville be two A, right? Knoxville, I think, is usually two A. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, all right, a couple more scores here. LVC, the Miners get their first win of the season, thirty-six to six over Oblong. That one was on Saturday. So, congratulations to the Miners getting in the win column. Rova Williamsfield, they get the win over Rushville Industry, forty-five to sixteen. They continue to roll along. Brian Bertel Schofer, 138 yards rushing, three touchdowns. Riley Danner, 153 yards passing, two touchdowns. Jack Godsell, great all the great game all the way around. Nine and a half tackles, uh, five tackles for loss. He had 38 yards receiving and a touchdown. So those are just a few of the names. There's a few more names that played well. Talon Hull, 97 yards receiving and a touchdown. Spencer Brown who I believe a week ago or two weeks ago, we only called him Mr. Brown because we didn't, right. didn't have his first name. So Spencer had 49 total yards and a rushing touchdown. And Cole Miller, four for four in PATs and a 32-yard field goal. You know, Mitch, I will say maybe the best sign that you're playing good football is when I'm gathering stats every week and I know your first player, your names, your players' names are right, right off the top of my head without even looking right. them up. So I already yep. know, I already know the names. That's a good sign if you're a football program. If we know your name right away. Yes, you got it. Stark County gets the win 48-28 over Princeville. But Mitch, the real big news coming out of Stark yeah. County this week. Congratulations to head coach Jade Nord and his wife. Their child, Hayden Nord, was born on Sunday. So man, great season for him on and off the field. The Rebels are undefeated. Right. You know, they have a baby who's arrived. So what a what a season, memorable one for Stark County for right. sure. And still time left here. Yeah, a lot, a lot of great things going on there for, for the Rebels and for Coach Nord. So yeah, I saw that I saw that picture on the timeline today. So again, congratulations to to the Nord family on on the new addition. Um going back two days prior to that, Friday night, we we knew that that Princeville was kind of one of those teams that just likes to hang around and, and can disrupt it they can disrupt game plans a little bit and even come away with a win in, in some of these games, but Stark County just continues to impress, continues to have really good play on all in all facets of, of, of their team, offense, defense, special teams. So they're getting it done. They, they, they look good. They're in the driver's seat here for the, for the conference title. And uh, again, moving, moving towards the one eight playoffs. Yeah. You know, in talking back and forth with coach Nord uh, last week and a couple weeks ago, I think he was been impressed with his defensive, you know, efforts, and he was kind of hoping to see more offense. So to get 48 points on the board against Princeville, that's got to be a good sign, you know, that you're getting production all across the board here. And this Stark County team, 7-0. So, you know, offense, defense, special teams, however they're doing it, they're doing it right. You know, they're, they're winning yeah. football right now. So two games left for them, obviously. We'll get into those matchups in a minute. A-Town gets their second win in a row. This one over Havana, 14-12. to You also had South Fulton getting the 34-6 to win over United. So we talked about it on the Instant Reacts that, you know, great start for United. They were, I believe, 2-0 to start the season, and now they've dropped, um, you know, five straight. So tough yep. road here for head coach David Milroy. Um, listened to a little bit of his post-game interview the other day, and, um, you know, his message was, you know, to the kids that, Regardless of what your record is, you know, as a head coach, he's going to keep fighting for them and keep, you know, doing all the work to put them in the best position possible. 
So the thing he they can do is, you know, do the same, you know, play all out, give the effort. So great message, especially to the seniors, you know, it hasn't gone as well as they'd hoped in the last few weeks, but you yeah. still got two weeks left to, you know, play for some pride and really, you know, get, get some wins on the board if possible. So right. best yeah. of luck to Monmouth United the rest of the way. Well, Mitch, let's look at the standings here real quick and then get into the matchups. You got Knoxville and Farmington sitting on top of the LLC large side of things, both undefeated in conference play. Knoxville's undefeated. Um, Farmington just lost their first game, which we talked about. McCombs three and three in conference play. Mercer County's three and two in conference play. Mercer County's got that four wins on their uh, you know slate so far. McCombs sitting at three and four. They need to get the next two to be playoff eligible. Illini West also sitting at three and four, so they need to win out as well. Looking at the top of the small school side of things, Star County, 7-0, 6-0 in conference play. Rova Williamsfield, 6-1, 5-1 in conference play. Same thing with Anawan Weathersfield, 6-1, 5-1 in conference play. Princeville still hanging around, 4-3. South Fulton at 3-4, so they would need to win out potentially as well. The matchups, Mercer County and Macomb. That's a big one in week eight. Illini West against West Hancock. Farmington and LVC. Knoxville against Fulton. A-Town at Elmwood Brimfield. Fulton going up against, South Fulton going up against Stark County. Havana taking on United. Anawan Weathersfield at Rova Williamsfield. Princeville taking on Rushville Industry. Mitch, I'll start with you. What's the matchup that stands out? I, the one that stands out is Anaheim and Weathersfield at Roma Williamsfield. I think just two really good teams there on that small side. Currently in a race for second with Stark County remaining undefeated, and I think that they'll get a win over South Fulton, so they'll they'll stay that way. But a, you know, a, a great a great game here between two really good programs that we'll see in the playoffs, but we'll see here who wins in the regular season. You know, I'm looking I'm looking to see if Princeville can get that fifth win. I think they can do it against Rushville Industry. Certainly, we talked about Knoxville and Fulton being a, a good crossover game. Um, in, in the first game, you said Murko at Macomb. Can Murko continue to ride the momentum here, maybe against a, a fledging Macomb program? Murko's trying to still get into into the playoffs, at least get eligible for it at five wins. So, and Mur- and Macomb is too sitting at three or four. So, big game for both of those two schools. Yeah, absolutely. You know that that's one that stands out, and that. That Anawan Weathersfield and Roval Williamsfield game is, you know, that's the one we circled at the beginning of the season, you know, and, uh, you know, are we gonna are we gonna go back and revisit that? You know, I kind of planted my flag with Roval Williamsfield, and you kind of planted your flag with Anawan Weathersfield. So, yeah. you know, this is kind of a battle between us now. Right. Still, uh, our, our receipts are poor in uh, in not predicting Stark County's rise. So they hold that's they hold, true. They hold the upper hand here on us, no doubt. You know, and I, I'll be honest that, uh, you know, Jade Nord, head coach at Stark County, he's been he's been nice. He has not really rubbed that, you know, in my face. So yeah, maybe maybe the players and the coach, maybe the players right, and him talk about it behind our back. But right. Your face is plastered all over the locker room. That's, <laughs> what, they, that's what motivates them here week after week. But hey, we've talked about it. We, we could be motivators. That's, that's fine. fine. So. That's fine. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, we will take one more quick break and then we will jump into the Northwest Upstate Illini. 
the Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, for fantasy's sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 11.30. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome back. Let's jump into the NUIC. Mitch, I was walking the sidelines in Northwest Upstate Illini country this week. We'll get sure. to the Fulton Dupec game in a minute, but we'll start with Dakota and Galena. Dakota gets the 20 to nothing win over the Pirates. Connor Matthews, 116 yards and a score. Jason Bowers added 65 and two scores. So Dakota gets the much needed win. They're now sitting at three and four with Stockton and EPC left. So we'll we'll talk about matchups in a minute, but this Dakota team, they're fighting for that playoff spot. Yeah, so an up and down year for Dakota started started well and it kind of took a little bit of a detour here, but a good win over a good Galena team. And as you mentioned, they have a, I think Stockton is kind of in the same predicament as Dakota. So this game in week 8 is really going to I should say, well, I don't know. I think I do think whoever wins that game will go to the playoffs. I should, I'll say that. So this is this is a big game between Dakota and Stockton coming up. So, yeah, this was a good start to to get them over that final hurdle to be eligible to be into the one A playoffs again. Yeah, a great. I mean, a great longtime rivalry there, Dakota and Stockton. That that should be a great atmosphere in, in Week Eight for sure, with both teams, yep. you know, fighting for a playoff spot. Well, Mitch, the game we just referenced, I was uh, walking the sidelines in Fulton. They fall to Dupec 46-14. to Great to see. Mitch, I, I have ne- in the years we've covered this podcast, I've never seen Dupec live. You know, I've never been to a Dupec game because usually I'm staying closer to the Quad Cities area. I'm not getting up towards, yeah. you know, Rockford and the Northwest Upstate Illini. So it's great. It was great to meet Coach Hoffman and great to be there in person. I thought I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say it was the first time you'd seen the steamer mobile. Nope, just trotting along the track there. We love that. I've seen that a few it's, times. I meant it, to. Man, I had the whole big plan. I was gonna take a picture and tweet out like attention, Mitch Stormer, with the steamer in there, and I forgot. Oh, I would have printed it out and framed it in my house. Uh, <laughs> I somebody, have one from last I, year. For I don't remember if if we tweeted this out or somebody someone wrote a story about that, like the origin of that thing. It I was to find that if we didn't retweet it, I got to find it and redo it. So I, I, I didn't have a chance to read it, but I would love to know more about it. Um, KWQC did the story. Um, oh, okay. And actually, they ran a really funny um, promo for the Highlight Zone. And the promo is talking about, you know, on Friday nights, they love going to local high school football games, but it's always hard to find parking because every game is so jam-packed. And yeah. they pull into the parking lot and they find one spot left in the parking lot and they get cut off by the steamer who takes the last spot parked. So it's it's good. It's a it's a good spot. And they, you know, they dive into the story's good. They dive into um, you know, the history of the steamer started in the early 90s and it was uh, you know, a local a local guy. I think he's a teacher at the school or connected to the high school somehow who, you know, likes to tinker around and wanted to build something and so it's a golf cart with the uh, you know, yeah. the 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 design of the steamer built around it and somebody sits inside and drives it down the sideline when they uh, score touchdowns. I love that thing. Yes. Oh 
So unfortunately, I did not see the steamer get to run up and down because yeah, Dupec played that's... really well in this one. So yeah. Dupec took control of this one early and never really looked back. Connor Hughes had a career high four rushing touchdowns for the playoff bound Riverman. M- Mitch, it seems like, you know, good programs always find, you know, new names. And I don't think Connor Hughes has been a name that we've called very much on the podcast. And great credit to him. In the time I was there, man, he looked the part. He, you know, he was finding yeah. the holes and he wasn't missing the gaps. He was he was getting into the end zone and fighting for the yardage. So credit to him getting the job done. Four touchdowns, a career high. Yeah, we talked a little bit on the instant reacts that maybe, you know, if, if the weather played any sort of factor into Dupec, maybe switching up their game plan. So yeah, when that happens and you take a passing attack and kind of flip the script, you're going to see some new names and four rushing touchdowns. Again, for Connor Hughes, that's, that's really great. More importantly, Dupec Riverman get their sixth win and they're headed back to the 3A playoffs. I don't think they're going to drop to two. I think they'll be 3A. Yeah, Kyle uh, makes it seem like they'll end up in 3A again where they have been the last few years. So, yep. um, Mitch, the, the really fun part of the game, I was, I was walking out. I had gotten my highlights. I had to rush over to get to Morrison. As yep. I was leaving, I caught a lineman interception, nearly a lineman touchdown. Yep. Jaden. Jaden Guffey snags a pass right out of the air, almost like, you know, goes right in his lap, you know, right in his gut, um, snags it. He rumbles a couple yards, couldn't quite get into the end zone, but either way, great play from him. Fun to see. Yeah. The players went nuts. The side, You could hear the fans going crazy. So I did yeah. see the video. I think we retweeted it. Yep. Yeah, they got they captured a good video of that. So, yeah, that's on our timeline. It's great, great play. Love it. Yeah, well, man, my biggest regret is I, if I stuck around for two more seconds, I'd have got it. But, yep. you know, in the, and the other thing I, you know, I was in such a rush on Friday. Apparently they have like an anchor sandwich or that, you know, I was asked if I had gotten one before I left. And okay. sadly I did not, I don't know exactly what it is, but to anyone listening, let me know. I, I've had a pork chop, I believe from uh, Fulton before, but um I'm surprised they're not slinging Manny's pizza out of there by now. They might. They might do that too. Um, That'd be a mess. But yeah, <laughs> but worth it, it was it'd be worth it. But it'd be a mess. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it was one of those nights where I was really I knew I had to keep moving because I didn't want to miss anything, and uh, you know, so I got some plays and early, and then you missed something. I know. And then <laughs> yeah, thanks. thanks. Never, never look back, Greg. Just get to your car tunnel vision. Right I mean, your that's about right. That's about how you have to do it. So. Anyway, great win for Dupec. Fulton will bounce back. You know, they'll have a tough matchup coming up, but, uh, you know, see how they can bounce back. Lena Winslow gets the win 46-6 to over Eastland Pearl City. Gage Dunker, 219 yards, four touchdowns. Lena Winslow had 323 yards rushing as a team. Dunker surpasses 3,000 yards in his career. It's the defense, though, Mitch, that continues, you know, to play well for, I guess, both sides of the ball play well. Yeah. but. You know, the defense really made a statement in this one. Yeah, Lee Wynn scored first. TPC ran the kick back, and then after that, it was it was a Lee Wynn show. They they held the Wildcats to 49 total yards in this game. So a, a great win for, for Lee Wynn. Lee, a great win for Lee Wynn. And, <laughs> you know, it, things are now, as they have in the past couple of weeks, kind of building up to that week nine against Forreston and certainly – beyond as they try and defend their their three-time state champion. Uh, yep. Championship we'll, 
We'll talk Forreston in a second here. But first, Stockton got the win 46-6 to over West Carroll. We talked about what Stockton has coming up. They're sitting at three wins with Dakota and Galena left. So we'll get into that in a second. But yep. Forreston gets the big non-conference win over Gibson City, Melvin Sibley, 22-21. Cardinals took an early lead but trailed in the majority of this one. They rallied late for the nice win. You know, this is a team in Forreston that hasn't put up the big totals. You know, they haven't, you know, really been putting up the huge numbers week in and right. week out. But to get a clutch win like this, you know, and they're still sitting right there undefeated, right there neck and neck with Lena Winslow, a game like this goes a long way, you know, for a program building some confidence into heading into the postseason for sure. Yeah, certainly. And they have one of the hardest finishing stretches out of anybody we cover. Certainly with this one against GCMS, they have Dupec on the road in week eight and then finalizing with Lena Winslow. So not sure that's how Coach Janicki would want the season to be scheduled, but it seems like it always is that way, at least in the NUIC. Someone has to have that sort of gauntlet at the end of the year. But again, you you play the game and <laughs> you got to play to win, and the horse has been doing that. So a great, great win against GCMS who came in at 5-1. and one. They'll be a playoff team too. And uh, even even though what you just talked about, they're not, again, putting games away maybe that we've seen in years past, they're still putting games away, right? Like they're still yeah. winning, just not in the same way. So they have a, a good team like this. they got a good defense. Uh, they could very well be a problem for Dupac and Lena Winslow moving forward in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, you know, some 7-0 and teams. We talk about a benefit to being 7-0 and or a really good team at the end of the year like this is that in, you know, maybe several games throughout your season, you're going to get a running clock and your starters aren't in the game anymore. You know, you're right. resting your starters. They're not going to get hurt. But I do think there's huge value on the flip side where week in and week out, this Forreston game, this Forreston team is in some battles. You know, right. they got to come up clutch and make some plays. And, you know, they got to win these football games. And I think that's going to go a long way come playoff time. That They're, they're battle-tested. They've been in those, you know, key moments, those clutch moments where they have to make the play. So guys making the plays for the Cardinals, Owen Mulder, again, 95 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Mitch, every week I get the stat sheet. Coach Janicki sends it out and I really appreciate it. This week, like every week, I look through how many guys are in the rushing column for the the stat sheet. This week they had seven guys listed on the sheet that all had at least one touch in the game. So I think, I, I don't know what it is on the season, but I remember like last year, it was like 15 or 16 players that had rushing yards on the year. For yeah. So, yeah, it's it's by committee every single year. Uh, but Mitch, are you, are you sitting down? I, I don't want to catch you off guard here. The shocking don't, stat. Don't, don't tell me they passed, Greg. Don't, just don't tell me that. They, <laughs> Mitch, the Cardinals passed four times in this game. Oh, that's that's five times too many. Now, <laughs> now I'll say they had one complete pass for 55 yards. Okay. So four passes though for Forrested in this one. Did it did it score? It was or not a touchdown. I believe oh, okay. it was just 55 yards. Yep. Right. Well, again, that's too many passes, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, we kind of read through the standings a little bit. Forreston, 7-0, 6-0 in conference play, along with Lena Winslow. You have Dupec right behind them at 6-1 in conference play and 6-1 overall. Then you have Fulton at 4-3, 4-3 in conference play. 
Galena at two and five. They're two and four in conference play. You have Stockton also at two and four, two and four overall. You have Dakota three and four, and they are two and four in conference play. So those are the teams still fighting for their playoff lie. Or no, I believe Galena now has five losses overall. Yeah. So I, I had read four losses. They had five. So the teams still fighting for that playoff spot, Stockton, Dakota, and then obviously uh, Fulton there with the, you know, the four and three record. Let's get into the matchups here. Dakota at Stockton, Forreston at Dupec, Fulton goes on the road in a non-conference game at Knoxville, Galena at Lena Winslow, Eastland Pearl City taking on West Carroll. So Forreston at Dupec is huge. And then non-conference wise, you got Fulton at Knoxville, but Stockton and Dakota, like we referenced, yep. ton on the line there for them. We way back at the beginning of this episode, we said the playoffs start now for a lot of teams. This is it. Yeah, I, I think I stand by what I said at, at the top of this segment that this this the winner of this game will go to the playoffs. Certainly the loser gets eliminated with their fifth loss, but just let's look at Stockton, right? If they if they win their four and four, they play Galena, which I think is a winnable game. For Dakota, if they win, uh, scrolling, 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 they would play EPC, which I also think is a winnable game for them. So, yeah, big game here in Week 8 for those two teams. Um, looking, looking at Fulton, too, it's, again, we, we've talked enough about the game and, and what it means. For their playoff implications, though, it's not win or lose for them because they, they have West Carroll. No disrespect to West Carroll going into the into week nine, but I think Fulton would pick up a win there if they fall to Knoxville and would be able to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Just in general, that Fulton Knoxville game is such a, you know, measuring stick for one a and for two a, and just kind of where these teams and where these right. conferences really, you know, rank. I think that's, right. what's really interesting is that, you know, the best in the Lincoln land conference goes up against Fulton, who is a really good program. But, you know, they've lost to Dupec. They lost to Lena Winslow and to Forreston. So, you know, I just think it's a really interesting to see how they stack up against one of the best in another conference nearby. And what you pointed out is interesting. Last week, in that loss to Dupec, maybe weather dictated that Dupec kind of went to the ground more often Mm -hmm. and had four rushing touchdowns from Connor Hughes. Well, now fast forward to a Knoxville team that they're going to go up against they're all run, you know, that's what they do and they do it right. really well. So Forreston or Fulton is certainly going to be challenged again on the ground, see how they match up there. And, you know, on the flip side, obviously this Knoxville program, can they keep doing, you know, what they've been doing, you know, can they see yep. what they can do against Fulton here in the non-conference Forreston, Forreston at Dupec, you know, it's a lot of fun in this one, you know, two teams that, want to get a huge marquee win at the end of their season here as the, you know, we start looking ahead to the playoffs. Both teams are going into the playoffs in different brackets in 3A and in 1A, but yep. a win here for either one of them would be a, you know, a marquee kind of statement win. Yep. And, you know, for, for Forreston going to Dupec, you know, that, and again, are you, are you looking ahead to week nine? I, I certainly hope not because Dupec will take the win right from you if you're doing that, but It'll be a good measuring stick for Forrest and two to play a bigger team going into that that much anticipated matchup against Lena. In yep. Nine. Yep. All right. Well, should we transition to eight man and then wrap this thing up? Yep. All right. Here we go. Let's go through some scores. Mitch, kind of a weird couple weeks here. 
a lot of blowout scores. And then looking ahead, not a huge amount of marquee matchups, you know, in week eight. We'll see some in week nine, but um, let's go through the scores here. Amboy gets the win 68 to nothing over AFC. River Ridge, 50 to 22 over Quest Academy. Uh, Milledgeville got the win on Saturday over Pawnee. Polo got the big win 52 to 12 over Blue Ridge. Ridgewood got the 52 to 12 win over West Prairie. West Central gets the win 68 to 24 over Unity Christian. And Flanagan Cornell Woodland 15 and Bushnell Prairie City 14. So close one there in that matchup. But a lot of these games, you know, just, you know, kind of some lopsided scores in the eight man ranks. We're not seeing the, you know, the marquee ranking, you know, ranked versus ranked matchups. Yeah, well, they're saving all that for the playoffs, Greg, because we'll, we're oh, going to see a lot. Of, and it'll get a t- it'll be a ton of fun for sure. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of rematches of of regular season games that we enjoyed. So, yeah, this is just the nature of the scheduling here. So, big wins by the by the good programs and uh, move, moving forward. It's all it's all we got here, right? Yeah, we can do. Well, let's look ahead. Orangeville goes on the road to Amboy in Week Eight. West Prairie takes on River Ridge. Milledgeville goes on the road to Decatur, Unity Christian, Quest is at Polo, and BPC, Bushnell Prairie City, is at Ridgewood. Those are some of the games to watch out for. You know, again, not exactly like marquee matchups, but the one that kind of stands out to me, you have River Ridge sitting at four and three. They're taking on that West Prairie team also at four and three. So big matchup there for both of those schools. Um, looking ahead at, um, let's see, what was the other one I wanted to look at? River or Ridgewood. Ridgewood yep. takes on Bushnell Prairie City. So Ridgewood's five and two. Bushnell Prairie City sitting at four and three. So another big matchup with some playoff implications there as well. So Mitch, we always say that coaches can't look ahead, but you know we can. So yep. not a lot of marquee matchups here in week eight. But there is one big matchup waiting. You have Amboy and Polo meeting up in week nine. So that'll be a good one. We can look ahead. Coaches can't do it, but we can look ahead. That'll be one we'll be talking about next week for sure. Yeah, I think so. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what Kyle shoots out this week for what his projections look like for the playoffs. Because, you know, I I don't think based on anything that happened this week that much will have changed from last week. But it's just exciting to look forward to that. Um, You know, we, we love that tournament. And, as they, because they play what the week before the, yep. the other state titles. So yeah, it's kind of a standalone thing as they march to Monmouth. So yeah, looking forward to as eight man kind of wraps up here, two weeks left. Looking forward to the, that matchup you just mentioned in week nine. But I'm looking, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to the playoffs. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm excited for the march to Monmouth as you just coined it. I love it. Yep. That, that eight man playoffs, it, it gets really, really fun. And actually, Mitch, I just recently saw on uh, Facebook, there's a Facebook group that covers uh, I8FA, so the eight-man stuff in Illinois. They do a podcast every week and really break down the eight-man division. So really cool to hear that. And obviously, Kyle does a great job covering the Northwest Upstate Illini teams involved and kind of eight-man in general. But I just saw a new, you know, a new podcast out there. So, uh, you know, I don't have the exact name of it, but uh, I'll make sure to get it out there. I'm going to check right now real quick because the last time I checked, the Illinois eight-man football domain had been, like, hijacked. It oh. been like, like, the domain had, like, 
expired and someone else bought it. And like the oh. last I knew it was like going to like Somalia or something. And I don't even see it on Google anymore. So that's a shame. But you know, okay. good, to, good to hear that there are other uh, other ways to get your your eight man news, and hopefully they can get a new uh, a new uh, website up and rolling here shortly. Well, don't get your like computer like you know spammed and you know hacked or. <laughs> Look, I sent the I sent the prince money, and I never heard anything back. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, Mitch, we'll wrap this episode up. We haven't talked about where I'm going this week. Okay. I think I might make a special detour. Might head back to the old alma mater, Otto Marquette hosting uh, St. Beat Academy. So okay. a rivalry renewed there. That goes back to when I was in high school. St. Beat and Marquette were big rivals. They haven't played on the football field. I'm not sure how long it's been, but um, I mean, maybe since they were both in the three rivers, which has probably been 10 yeah. years or more now. So um, yeah. anyway, good to see that rivalry back in the mix and uh yeah i may i may my son and i may head back there on friday night and how is how is marquette looking this year i truthfully i do not know i'm just asking so marquette i believe is sitting at five and two they uh yes five and two they just lost uh last week to seneca and seneca's undefeated on the year playing really well um same beads at five and two as well so it'll be a it'll be good it should be a good matchup so yeah, looking forward to that one. That that might be what I end up doing. So, okay. So yeah, so keep your uh, keep your eyes and ears posted for me because I won't be catching necessarily any you know local games, quote unquote, to our to our listening coverage area. But uh, you know, I'll be nearby. I'll be following along. To everyone listening, of course, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, stu- stay tuned. Next week we'll be back. We'll be talking week nine, talking that kind of playoff type preview. And Mitch, we are just a week away from getting to the NUIC football playoff preview show. Yep. I make my I make my annual pilgrimage up to the heart of NUIC country and join Kyle Campmeyer. And he usually brings in uh, Kyle Leach from Milledgeville and Greg Pruis from Morrison. I believe he'll probably have on the show. So I shouldn't don't quote me on that. I don't know for sure who's going to be there. But to yep. anyone listening. Follow along. We'll link it out. We'll send out a link. It's really great. I'm I'm lucky to be a part of it. I love being a part of it. It's great coverage of the small schools and of the, you know, 1A through 3A and 8-man that we really cover so extensively. You know, there's a lot of great playoff preview shows, especially at the IHSA state level. But I think we really get down into the nitty gritty of the teams we really care about. And we kind of try to scout out some teams from around the state to really get the real information that you want right. to know. So it's uh, always a good time. I can't wait for it. That's that's coming so soon. And of course, we'll be back next week with the Instant Reacts podcast. I may be doing the Instant Reacts podcast from like the basement of my childhood home. I'll have to figure out hey, a setup. And, uh, yeah, so. All right. Yeah, we'll have to figure out who we're going to bring out, you know, potentially who we're going to bring on here. I thought this is just on the fly here. Haven't run this okay. by you yet. Maybe we get like, Shuckman or Don O'Brien from uh you know from the Quincy area. Yeah, yeah. That's not a bad idea. I don't that's think potential. At all. So yep. all right, let's okay. you know, if they're listening to out. this, consider this an invite. How about that? Yeah, right. Uh, we we'll we'll see how late they can how late they can stay up because these things go go pretty deep into the night. So we will uh yeah. Well and whoever whoever joins us, we're looking forward to it. That's right. And I mean it won't be a traditional you know, Friday night, because I won't be doing coverage for WQAD if I go back to Ottawa. 
but yeah. it will mean you'll have to wait, Mitch, until after I'm done getting a, a um, tenderloin from Knights of Columbus. But I will have to stop okay. there first, do the, you know, Marquette alumni thing, get a get a pork yeah. chop, or not a pork chop, maybe get a pork chop at the game, then a Palancic tenderloin from the Knights go. of Columbus. So it's go. great. It's the best you're going to find. So All right. That's, that's, that's high praise. There you go. All right, Mitch. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who follows along. We'll be back next week talking all the playoff implications and all the things you need to know heading into week nine. We'll see you then. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.